0: with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to anfieldindexpro.com and get started today.
1: David! Gagan We're back again, part two, recorded on the same day, but won't be released on the same day, so you'll be hearing this a few days after the other one. But hey, sorry, we have to give you the content during this international break and spread it out. So we are going to pretty much start off from where we left, Dave. We discussed the squad, the players that we think may be uh, leaving, so where that would leave squad gaps. Let's just go over which gaps they were. Um, yeah. We don't, we don't need a goalkeeper. We don't. No. Nope. So it's gonna be a right back that we think is already missing. Yes. Maybe a centre back. I think we talk about it just in case we do sell one, you know, just yes. in case that happens. A left back just in case, like we yep. said. Okay, then we need a couple of midfielders, I think, I think. Um
2: yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Mm. I think one can be maybe that attacking midfielder slash attacker type to replace ox so you could get someone for that type of bridging role um so that's absolutely fine but yeah we can we can definitely look at that you're on mute by the way
1: okay and then we have um okay forwards wise i think we probably need to just have a couple of options there too yeah yeah i think that's fair Wow, okay, so that's quite a a few, quite a few. Let's go straight to the defence then, Dave. Um, Let's talk about the right back. We love talking about a good right back. So, Mm. who are the names you'd think?
2: So, as pointed out earlier, we do need to obviously ensure that there are, you know, roles filled with players that also fill the quota. And I think that backup right back spot is definitely one that you could look at in that regard. Um This list is kind of one that I've had for a while. I've got four players who could play as a right back, all of whom would be the type of player you're looking to bring in, develop for two to three years, and then sell on at a sizeable profit. So, Three of the list are 21, and one of them is 23. The 23-year-old is the one who's not homegrown. He wasn't actually on the list originally when I started putting these together about about two two or three weeks ago. But I was talking to Carl on Scouted, and Ridley Baku came up. Right back at Wolfsburg. Developed as a midfielder when he was young. Moved to right back, can play right wing, has played... In a front three, both right and left side. So gives you huge versatility. 23 years of age, already a German international, came through at Mines, was in the Mines Academy when Klopp was there, was then developed in the Academy more while Thomas Tuchel was there. So you know, he's had good schooling. You know that the clubs were being overseen very, very well at that point. And Mines are just a club that do things the right way. Moved on to Wolfsburg in 2020. I think they paid five or six million for him. He's probably 18 to 20 million this summer. But I think with his versatility, his profile, his potential, that's a player you could bring in, have for two to three years, and then flip at the end of that time for 30, maybe even 35, if he develops the right way. I really like Ridley back. I think he's a player worth strong consideration the others two of the others I've mentioned frequently on committee pods but both of them now have one thing they didn't have previously they're both now 21 so they're both now homegrown players they class as homegrown players for your quota one is Jed Spence I thought he was one of their stand, one of Nottingham Forest' standout players against us in the FA Cup Obviously on loan there from Borough. I think 15 million gets him and Jaden Bogle, who I've liked since he was at Derby. Just a very good right back, good on the ball, improving defensively. I like the aggression in his game. Again, 21 homegrown 10 to 12 million probably gets him this summer. And he and Spence, I both think have the type of potential where two to three years down the line, you're selling them on for 25 to 30 million. Because, A, they're right backs. There's not a whole lot of really high-end quality ones. I know people like to make a big deal about how many right backs England have. But Walker's past is best. Trippier's past is best. They're going to be gone. Wan-Bissaka never developed. There isn't that many great young right backs around. England have a monopoly on them. You look at France. You look at Germany. You look at Italy. You look at Spain, they're not producing many high-end right-backs. England, for some reason, just are. And I think Spence and Bogle are sort of the next two off that, that uh, production line. I-, I highlighted James Justin a couple of years ago. I see similar things with both of these in terms of potential development. The third one is homegrown but is a Dutch underage international currently playing at Bayer Leverkusen. That's Jeremy Frimpong. Again, someone I highlighted on a committee pod when he was at Celtic. He's since moved to Bayer Leverkusen. He's established himself there. He's been very, very good. Now, the only knock I have on him is he's only five, seven. So he is a lot smaller than our traditional type of defender. Baku is five, nine, but he's built really strongly. Spence is 6 foot, Bogle is 5'10", five, 5'11". Five, They're more along the lines of what we'd normally look at. Whereas Frimpong at 5'7", is quite short. But he's really well schooled, was in the City Academy for nine years. Explosive player, great carrier of the ball, great dribbler, chance creator. I think he's one worth consideration. So any of those four, I think, would be players that right now I'd be thrilled to hear us linked to it. I, I'd be absolutely delighted if we were to go and get one of those four and plug them in behind Trent. We're not...
1: We're, we're not go linked ahead. with anyone, though, are we? We don't... Um, we don't. Right-backs is very rare. We don't actually get linked with anybody, do we?
2: don't get That's linked to many end. people in general. We, we don't um, get linked to many people in general because we don't... Nothing gets leaked anymore. True. Like, even... Even someone like Graham, who was very is remains very very well connected at the club but used to get everything like Graham could tell you everything going on at the club up until probably about 2017 so through the end of Rafa Hodgson Kenny especially during the Rogers era where everything leaked out and the early days of Klopp as Klopp tried to find the leaks and plug the leaks and Obviously, Ian Ayre was still there and that kind of stuff. But since about 2017, the club has really pulled back. And you see it in a lot of the reporting. Like, you look at the Echo. They don't know anything that's going on. Pierce has no real insight. Now, Melissa Reddy doesn't really cover Liverpool anymore. When she went to the Independent that, she became more of a national writer. But she doesn't get the same level of intel. It's only really Joyce, and it's only really Joyce as something is happening. Dom King gets nothing. Andy Hunter gets very little. Maddock hasn't gotten anything right since two thousand and four. Yeah, so
1: exactly, so Joyce, whatever he says, I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't no. take anything that he says in terms of on a pod or whatever seriously. It's when those things happen just before something's about to happen, those are the ones that you take seriously. Yeah. The, the moment the moment ones, the ones that are just, oh, you know, we've done this, or this is about to happen, or they're, you know, Liverpool talking to this person. You know. I, I would say, this, I haven't listened about to... Buy to sell. Don't listen to that shit. That's nonsense. See, that Liverpool been saying that shit for ages.
2: But see, I would say he's just looking at the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. And he's maybe. also
2: looking at the fact that, look, Liverpool might win everything this year. Liverpool could win four trophies. And then there's an argument to, argument to be made and it's a weak argument, but there is some people that will make the argument that, well, we don't need to buy anybody because we've just won everything. Some people will make that argument, including yeah, some people who are involved in AI. Yeah, there will be yeah, one or two on a pod that will say that and that's fine. Yeah,
1: that's They'll assume though, that's with the assumptions no one's, it's not changing, right? That's, that's with the that's assumption the, no one's leaving. Yeah, but that's but, not going to happen.
2: But it also doesn't factor in regression. Like it doesn't factor in the fact that If Milner stays, he will be even worse next season. Mm. Henderson will be even worse next season. Firmino and Mane will continue to decline. There will be a drop in Thiago at some point because he's 31 soon. Now, his game should age very, very well because he doesn't rely on physicality. But there will be certain players who drop off. And if you look at our squad, outside of Trent, Diaz jota ibu and harvey i don't know that there's many improvements that we can bank on and improvement is never linear just because harvey had a big step forward last year and this season before the ankle injury that doesn't mean he automatically kicks on again next season curtis jones might not improve next season he might stagnate and then improve the following year Or he could improve next season, regress the following year, improve again and then stagnate. Improvement and development are never linear. They don't just follow the same pattern. But decline generally does. And when players start to decline it's very rare that they arrest that decline. So we've seen Bobby and Mane drop levels. We've seen Henderson this season, how poor he's been. He might he he shouldn't be as bad again next season but he's not going to be he's not going to be November 2019 to February 2020 Henderson ever again and I can say that with confidence because the previous time he was that player was eight years previously or six years previously in the 13-14 season that's the last time he played that well for that long of a spell other than that, he's never had a run like that. He's not going to have another run like that as he gets older, lower, his legs start to go. They're failing him already, and he's going to pick up more injuries. He, he's gotten lucky this season, but he's been well managed. But those players who are declining will continue to decline. Those players progressing may not automatically just continue progressing the way that you want. So you do have to freshen things up, and... There's a reason that when Liverpool were great in the 70s and 80s, they always went and bought one player a summer. One big player a summer to come in and take a role or threaten a role. And they moved out older players. Like if Bob Paisley was running Liverpool right now, Milner would be gone, Henderson would be gone, Mane would be gone, and Bobby would probably be gone. He didn't keep them around. He let them go and get old and rich somewhere else. He got what he needed from them and moved them on. We did it routinely and yeah there's a reason for that and there's a reason Ferguson did it as well Ferguson was ruthless yeah, Ferguson to, would move players on
1: we have to be the same we have to I, be the same I just want to make a point uh if you're listening to this one and you haven't listened to the previous old school you really need to listen to that before you listen to this one because it's literally following up on that show so yeah please do make sure because otherwise this one won't make much sense in how we where we're buying and why we're buying and which players we we think may go or may want to go. So yeah, you need to listen to that first, okay? Right. right. Um, so that's the right backs. Let's hope you know we'll leave the transfer committee to actually pick one. Yeah, that otherwise we kind of we kind of ruin that show. So oh, yeah. we'll <laughs> let's go to the left backs then, in case um, Costas, like we said, may ask. Go if he doesn't get enough football. So who, who would be a lister right, left back? Sorry.
2: So left back is a little bit more difficult than right back on the basis that there aren't there aren't as many really good ones on the mar- like on the market. Teams don't tend to produce it because there's obviously this what right back right footed people make up nine tenths of the world or something. So you know there's only a, a much smaller. Pool of left backs and you, you rarely get, um, all that many at one goal. One that is interesting to me, at least is one that we tried to buy a few years ago. That would be Jamal Lewis. He's still only 24. He's at Newcastle. He's injured at the minute, but he wasn't registered in the squad for the rest of the season. And even though he's due back before the end of the season, they seem to have made a decision on him. Now, I don't know why. They've made that decision, but Eddie Howe appears to have made it. Lewis is a good defender. Not a great defender, but a good defender. He lacks a little bit of aggression. Like, when we signed Robbo, he wasn't a good defender. He was an aggressive defender, but he had poor judgment and poor timing. But he had that aggression, and once that was harnessed right, he was fine. Lewis is a better defender now than Robbo was when we signed him. But there are certain things about his game in terms of a lack of aggression that would need to be improved. That is possible. That is something that can be done with coaching. It'll also be done with Virgil van Dyke barking at him beside him. So Jamal Lewis is definitely one that I think is worth consideration, especially if he can be had on the cheap. And we mentioned on the last podcast about the possibility of Newcastle coming in for Gomez Maybe we could try and get Lewis as a throw in in some sort of deal there. If Simicus was to go for 20 million and we could get Lewis for 8 million, I think that's a deal Liverpool would be happy with. Because when you consider the fact that he was initially the target we wanted when we tried, when, when we bought Simicus, it was because we couldn't get uh, Jamal Lewis. So he'd be one. The next one I'd look at is another player who's homegrown, 21 years of age, already has 60 first team appearances under his belt. Actually, it's more than that. It's probably 70 odd is Lee Buchanan at Derby County. Just a good all round fullback, good athlete, gets forward well, aggressive, good delivery, improving as a defender. I think Lee Buchanan is somebody, especially considering Derby's financial situation, Lee Buchanan is somebody that could be available at a good price. He's having a very good season in the championship. And before anyone looks at the championship table and says, well, hang on a second now, Derby are absolutely points horrible. Yeah. It's because of the points deduction. Like take into account Derby have had 21 points taken off them. Derby would actually be sitting in 17th. It's not great, but consider they haven't been able to buy anybody for years, their squad is made up of academy kids and well past their best older players that they've had to pick up off the scrap heap. To be 17th and they would be comfortably clear of relegation is a is a good achievement. They'd be 18 points clear of the relegation zone, but only 15 points out of the playoff zone. That's not bad for what they've gone through this year. They've won 11 games, 13 draws, only 15 defeats in the championship. That's not a bad return considering what an absolute death march that division can be. They've got a decent defensive record. Not great, but decent. And he's a big part of why it's decent. So Lee Buchanan would be one that I'd look at. I think he's a good player. If we wanted to go for a more high-end prospect, I think Rayan Nouri at Wolves again. Someone I've highlighted before on the committee pods. I think we've all yeah, seen it at, been, at Wolves. It. Yeah. Like he put Salah in his pocket when Salah was torching the league. He was that good, and it was when he went off that they fell apart. They, they paid ten million for him. Now I think they'd probably want in the region of thirty. I would pay it because Aitnuri will turn 21 this summer. Andy Robertson, I believe, has just turned 28. Am I right with that? Yeah, 28. Andy Robertson maybe has three elite-level years left. Aitnuri would only be 24 at that point. He could be your Andy Robertson successor. He's good enough and talent, talented enough with enough potential that you could look at Ray Nuri and say. That's the f- the next Robbo. That's the guy who will replace Robbo. He's good going forward. He's very good defensively. He's comfortably comfortable as a fullback Or a wing back. Because he's played as a wing back at Wolves. He was a fullback before that. I think Ray Nuri is the type of profile. That you look at and think. That's not just a short term signing. Like. Lewis, I would say you're buying to flip. Buchanan, you're buying to flip. Aitnuri, I think you can buy him with a view of that's the guy that's going to replace Andy Robertson. And I think that kind of mindset from the off will spur Robberwand for one, will keep Aitnuri pacified when he's maybe not playing as much as he wants But there will be a lot of games. Like we said in the first pod, Costas has played 20 times this season. Now, some of that's because Robbo got injured, obviously. But it's it it hasn't affected us. And maybe that will leak into Klopp's thinking moving forward. Now, it might take a year for Aitnuri to fully gain the trust of Klopp. But then after that, there's no reason Klopp couldn't play him 25 times in a 60-game season in year two. And then the following year, maybe he plays 30 games and, and they don't all have to be starts. He could be coming on at 60, at 65, just to give Robbo a rest. If we've got Champions League midweek and a big Premier League game at the weekend, and we're two up in the Champions League game, get Robbo off. Or if it's the Sunday before a big Champions League game, get Robbo off, get him rested, and get this kid on and get him some minutes. Ray and would be would be my top left-back target. So those would be the three. Jamal Lewis, Lee Buchanan, and Ryan Aitnuri. I, I think Aitnuri would be top. Buchanan probably second. He's that bit younger. He hasn't had any major injuries yet. I am a little bit concerned about Lewis just with this tie injury, but I think he's going to be fine. Lewis's level of natural fitness is, is phenomenal. He's a former national cross country runner, uh, cross country runner uh, at underage. So. Wouldn't have any any problems there, um, but maybe it affects it his burst. But it, that's fine. I I'd go eight Nuri one, Buchanan two, and Lewis three. But Lewis could be the cheapest by quite a bit.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think if Costas goes for some money, then you spend the money on mm. the other one. You know, so. Um, that's the thing. If if Costas doesn't go, then you're fine. But if he does, then you go for the Wolves player. Personally, it's
2: good to be prepared. Yeah, that's it. That's that's exactly it. I, I would happily, yeah. like, I would happily see us sell Nico for ten, twelve million, Nat for ten to twelve million. And if Costas goes for twenty, then we've got about forty four, forty five million in the pot. You go and you spend. 10 to 12 million or 14, 15 million on your right back. You get, get say Jed Spence and then you go and lump the left, the, the, the rest on your left back. You go and lump the rest on Aitnuri. Nuri. And with Spence, it's very much develop him. And if he gets to a certain level where he becomes too good to be a backup, you sell him on. But Aitnuri Nuri can be the one that is potentially your long time starter at left back. Exactly.
1: That's what I'd agree with as well. Happy with uh, cost has to stay. Obviously, like we both. Mm. Oh, of course, we, yeah. We were just playing with hypotheticals, just in case uh, a player comes in and says, "Look, I want to, I want to achieve," and uh, being behind Robbo for two years is not going to be good for me. So, okay, that's great. Um, some really interesting ones there as well. Um, Sp- Spence and Nuri would be would really light up the uh, the, the 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 backups, <laughs> wouldn't it? <they? laughs> really, Bloody hell. Would be pretty decent. What about um, centre back then?
2: Yeah, so I've got I've got five here. Um, again, you know, you're looking at a certain profile, certain level of aerial mastery, physicality, things like that. Gone for young defenders. So all of these are 23 and under because I think that's what you want to do. You've got Virgil and Joel as those older defenders. You're looking at someone. Younger Now, I've got one who doesn't fit our traditional profile. He's not the tallest. He's only one. He can also play left back, though, so he could give you a little bit of flexibility. And he's probably, if you were going to move to back three, he might be the best left side of a back three prospect in world football. Is Josko Gvardiol of, uh, of Red Bull Leipzig. 20-year-old Croatian, just turned 20 in January. Brilliant passer, great ball carrier, can do a bit of everything. Defensively, there's still some lapses, but he's 20, just turned 20. All 20-year-olds have defensive lapses. It doesn't matter who they are. Maldini had defensive lapses at 20. But this guy is a really special prospect. Now, he might not fit the profile just because of his lack of height and aerial dominance. But as a footballer, he's a really interesting one to look at. And he's left-footed, and it's always nice to have, you know, the odd left-footer floating around. Uh, I've got four that do fit our more traditional profile. Edmund Tapsopa of Bayer Leverkusen is one again that's been brought up on the committee pods a couple of times. He's been at Leverkusen now um, since 2020. I think he's a big-time prospect. He was on our list as a club. If we couldn't have gotten Kanate, he was one that they were looking at. He is that, contracted until 2026. Yeah. He's a big LFC fan as well. Guardiol. Yeah. Outstanding. That makes it even better. But, I mean, he could be, you know, because we don't know what's going to happen post Klopp. We don't know that we won't get a back three-manager post Klopp. So, maybe someone like Guardiol is a bit of future-proofing. Um, TapSop is one I, I like. He's plateaued a little bit this season, I think. But that's in part because of more competition for places there, a little bit more rotation for manager, and also a more attacking mindset. But dominant in the air, aggressive player, good on the ball, I think taps up as one to really keep an eye on. Now, the one negative might be that he is another AFCON player, so you, know, you, you do run the risk of losing him. But if he's your fourth centre-back, are you really all that worried about it? Um he is represented by the same agent as Rafinha, Deco. So Deco's gonna or is gonna come up later in this conversation. So just one to keep keep in mind there. Uh next up, Max lacroix of um Wolfsburg. I've always liked this kid since he was at Socha. been really good for Wolfsburg, key player in there push for top four last season goes a little bit under the radar because France obviously has so many high-level young centre-backs but I think he's up there with the best of them. He's close friends with Ibu. They were at shot together for a couple of years um, so there's a bit of a connection there. might be something that we could tap into. I like how he plays. I just like how front-footed he is. I like how good he is in the air and he's comfortable on the ball which is something I like. He's also Very, very quick. Like, EBU levels of quick. So, that's something I like. Um, Loic Bade is another young French centre-back, currently at Rennes, having moved from Lens. The one thing I wonder, though, is he better off maybe staying at Rennes for a couple of years? He's had three clubs in three seasons. He was at Le Havre, Lens bought him, and now he went on to Rennes. So, maybe he just needs to settle somewhere, but he's got a big, big upside. Very good potential Good in the air, good on the ball, very, very calm. Reminds me a little bit of Saliba, the Arsenal centre-back, who's out on loan at Marseille. Uh, Not quite as good on the ball as him, but maybe better defensively. And the last one then is one where we'd be looking to take advantage of a situation. So as everybody's aware, Barcelona have serious financial problems, like serious financial problems. And they're currently struggling... To get Ronald Arroyo signed to a new deal, uh, twenty-three-year-old, just turned twenty-three, you, Uruguayan international, super aggressive, great in the air, good on the ball, very quick, very comfortable, can play right back. Not you wouldn't want him at right back, but he will go there and do a job. So, in terms of replacing Gomez in that, you know, kind of centre-back who can play full-back, he, he fits that mould as well. But Arroyo is one that potentially is available at a bargain price if Barcelona can't get that contract sorted. Uh, they've made him a couple of offers, they've been turned down. Rumours are he's had a number of offers including one from us. Whether there's any truth to it, who knows. It could just be his agent playing silly beggars. But Definitely one that I like and one that I'd be on board with signing. I think he probably profiles better as a partner for Virgil than you know Virgil backup or replacement, but at such a young age, these things are fluid and he can be developed in whatever way we want, so those would be the five um a j has asked if I would rate any of them higher than eboo um no. I wouldn't. I would say Guardiola as a footballer has the... Guardiola reminds me of Danny Agger. Like a a, a slightly smaller version of Danny Agger. He's like 6'1 Agger was 6'3", 6'4". But that same sort of fluid grace to his game. Everything looks easy. Good pass for the ball. Comfortable carrying the ball out of defence. From a, a stylistic point of view, he's probably the closest one to Gomez.
1: And also, it's probably good, with being so young, someone coming in now to come and partner with the, um, you know, or play with VVD, or at least be in mm. the same training, you know, uh sessions with VVD, he's going to learn a heck of a lot, isn't aren't they, at the end of the day?
2: Exactly. And, so, and again, you can look at this player that you'd bring in as someone that, like with someone like Spence, That you're going to develop and sell on in two or three years. And one thing we know as a fact. High level central defenders are one of the rarest commodities in football. And they command a premium price. And we are very good at improving central defenders at our club. And everybody looks better playing with Virgil van Dijk. Everybody. He made Lovren who is one of the worst defenders in the league, look almost competent when they played together. He has elevated Matip from who's better, Matip or Lovren conversations, to is Matip as good as Van Dyke conversations? That's the impact of Virgil. We've seen it on Ebu. We saw it on Joe. Put him with any one of these, and it's the same thing. The thing I would say about Verge though, is like we're looking at Thiago Silva at 37. Still being a decent centre back. He's not this, he's not in the discussion as the best in the league or the best in the world, the way some people want to put him. As a defender, as a footballer, he's a very good passer. He reads the game well, whatever. As a defender, the holes are there and everybody can see them if they want to look for them. But Virgil is a better defender than Thiago Silva ever was. He's also six four, whereas Thiago Silva is six foot flat. He's a much better athlete than Thiago Silva ever was. Are we sure Virgil can't play at an elite level till 36, 37?
1: Are we no, sure no. that he can't? Because I think he can. Mate, no, no. Hansen went long. Uh, Hippier went long. I'm sorry, they can.
2: They and can. Hippier was never the athlete that Virgil is. Hansen was much smaller than Virgil is. Tony Adams played well into his 30s and was excellent for Arsenal right till the very end. And he wasn't a patch on Virgil as an athlete. And
1: right Virgil's now,
2: intelligence is just yeah, off the charts.
1: That's what it's all about. It's going to be... if The way they're managing this high line at the moment, right? It's all Virg really. Right? Trying to make mm. sure that line is... It, it's, there's got to be someone who's leading at the back, right? And managing it. And if you watch... You get little nuggets from some of those adverts I talked about in the last pod. Those advertising pods. I mean, not pods... um, uh, shorts that they do with LFC TV like when when um, Robbo was <laughs> keeping someone onside or at least trying to he goes look at that line look at that line apart from Robbo look at that line what yeah. are you doing Robbo you know just those things that, that it takes pride takes absolute pride in that line that's what you want you want your leader at the back to say fucking sort it out you know and I can I imagine him going back in, you know into the dressing room and saying to one of them if they played someone else, what the fuck were you doing you know this is a line. Stay in line. Follow me yeah. you, wherever I am. Stay in fucking line. I'll decide if we drop or not. But you know, the, the, not, other
2: and thing, and the other thing to consider as well is, as Virgil gets older and maybe loses half a yard of pace, is going to be the guy next to him. That guy's just as quick as Virgil. He might not look as quick because he doesn't move quite as gracefully because no one does. But Ibu is lightning fast. Like, when, when Mikel Antonio knocked the ball past him against West Ham, and it was Jim Beglin was on the commentary I was watching. Jim Beglin tried to make out that Ibu struggled to stay ahead. When Antonio played the ball, he was probably five yards from Ibu. Ibu had to turn and get running when Antonio was already sprinting and Ibu yep. beat him to the ball by a full five yards, without really looking like he was ever trying. Yeah, that's the bit that they don't... wasn't very good analysis or punditry, really. It, nothing's good analysis when it's Jim Begdon. The man is a buffoon.
1: I mean, at the end of the day, you, 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 they don't even take into account the turn. You know, that's the biggest part. That's but it. The start. The start is the slowest bit, mate. Yeah. you got to get into a rhythm... A horse doesn't just stop galloping full power.
2: Takes That's exactly it. The and at no point did Antonio look like he was going to even catch Kanate, let alone go past him. But yet Jim Beglin wanted to make out that Kanate was struggling. Canate is really quick. And as he gets used to playing with Virgil more and more over the next two years, as Virgil starts to have things where he needs to alter his game, well that's where kanate comes in that's where that high level speed of his comes in he's now the one that can do a lot of the covering defending it was probably the plan with joe before joe had so many injuries cuz joe is joe is incredibly quick but i think that's what kanate does and i don't see any reason that virgil can't play at a really high level for another 6 7 years i don't see a single reason so you could look at any of these centre backs, a Lacroix, uh, or whatever, and you say, right, the plan there is we bring them in, we develop them, we sell them on, and we just go and find another one of them, and we do the same thing, and it's rinse and repeat. But you can also factor in, Joel Matip is 31 this year, I think. So he might on, he doesn't look to me like he'll age as well as Virgil. Joel might in two years be the type of player we're looking to get rid of. Well, then, all of a sudden, that fourth centre-back steps up to being third centre-back. And then they're going to get more games. Then they're in the rotation. They're playing much more often. And that can keep them happier. And then you go and you buy your fourth centre-back at that point. So those yeah. would be the five I'd go for. And I, I would genuinely be very, very happy with any of them. Cavardiol is one that he really interests me. But he just, he's probably not the profile that we want.
1: Yeah, might not be. But there's some interesting names there. So let's go to um yeah, we've done the we've done the defence, let's go to midfield where there's a little bit of a choo choo train that we all need to jump on, I think.
2: Yeah, so he's the top one on my midfield list. Um Arlianne is absolutely sensational. He's twenty two. And he can be anything you want. If you want him to be the next Patrick Vieira as a box-to-box, unstoppable destroyer, he could be that player. If you want him to be the next Fabinho as a shielding de- central, uh, defensive midfielder who's the hub that the ball goes through, he can be that. He's got outstanding passing range. His vision is great. He can carry the ball. He wins the ball back without really breaking sweat. He's got great press resistance. He can pop up with a goal. He he scored for France last night. He's got three for Monaco this year, three three last year. It doesn't sound like a lot, but at 22, it's pretty decent. Um, He strikes me as a natural leader. He's one who's not afraid to bollock a more senior teammate who he feels is not pulling the weight. Last night, I don't know if anyone watched that game. If you haven't watched it, there's a, there's a clip going around of, yeah, this is
1: great, wasn't
2: he? of many, right? It is, it's brilliant. But if you can, if you have the time, mm. watch the game. At one point in the first half, Pogba doesn't track a runner and many just obliterates him. Absolutely obliterates him. Paul Pogba is a senior pro in that national team, a World Cup winner. We all know his flaws, but with the French team he's held in the highest of regard, too many didn't care. Just let him know you're not doing what you're meant to do. He had Kingsley Coleman playing as a wing-back next to him. And he made Kingsley Coleman look like Prime Kafu defensively. Because he was covering for him and helping him out and talking him through and letting him know when he needed to drop. This is a 22-year-old who's got, how many caps does he have? Six, eight, eight caps. And he's talking senior pros who are Champions League winners, World Cup winners. He's talking to them like he's not only on their level, but he's the leader of the team. Like that's the type of natural persona he has. He would absolutely top my list and I would genuinely pay whatever it takes to get him. I see people talk about Declan Rice for 150 million. And obviously that's ridiculous, but I wonder, like, if, if he, if that's the type of price he's going for, what would Chuamani go for if he was English? Because he is better than Declan Rice everywhere. Better passer. Rice might be a slightly better ball progressor as a carrier, but too doesn't do it all that often because he doesn't need to. So Rice might be a bit better because he's worked on it a bit more, but too many when he carries the ball is impossible to knock off it. Better passer, much better defensively, much better positional sense, reads the game better, covers better for others, can be your six, can be an eight can play either role in a two, can be the one that sits and dictates, or the one that goes here, there, and everywhere and wins the ball back. He's more tactically flexible from than Declan Rice. And I get what old King Cole is saying, $150 million is just West Ham's indirect way of telling everybody to fuck off. But remember, they have a situation with Declan Rice where he has made it known that he is very ambitious and that he wants to win... Major honours, and at some point, because his contract is up in two years and he did, he rejected a new contract in the summer. What if he gets the hump and he's like, Well, hang on, I've fulfilled my part of this. Why are you now blocking me from a move? And all of a sudden, you've got a very unhappy Declan Rice on your hands. And you get to next summer, and maybe he does turn around and go. You know what? I'm going to do Steve McManaman here. He won't call it that, but that's what we call it. I'll play out the last year of my contract, and then in 2024, when I'm 25 years of age, yeah, fine, entering my peak, Mm. I'm walking for free, and West Ham get nothing.
1: Yeah, there's. So the West Ham different. are playing a playing a very
2: dangerous game here It will by, not happen though for
1: 150.
2: You know, you know that No, no just, but that's the thing. No one's going to pay it. But that's the no. point, guys. West Ham no, no, don't I mean, want anyone to pay it.
1: They, yeah, they don't want anyone to pay it, but they'll come down. Come
2: down. That's always they happen. will. But if they're asking for 150, that means their come down price is probably 100. That price is a 50 million pound footballer.
1: But there's always someone stupid like United to pay it. That's the thing.
2: But who else is there other than United? Who else is there? Because Chelsea are off the market now. The market is only what the market dictates. And if there's only one club bidding now, admittedly it is the most stupid club in Europe who outbid themselves on Harry Maguire. I don't think he'd go to Newcastle because Newcastle are years away from competing. He doesn't fit at City. They've also got Rodri who's just a better player and he's not playing as an eight in a Pep Guardiola team. So I don't think City are in. It's United. It's one club. And he's already made it known he'd prefer to go to Chelsea. So mm. it wouldn't surprise good. me. It wouldn't surprise me if in twenty twenty four he goes to Chelsea on a free. Or Newcastle, mate. They might pay. I, for I don't it. think they'll go to new- Newcastle are years away from pro Gags, for the next three years, West Ham will be better than Newcastle. Unless they do something really stupid. They will, mate. Seven yeah, they will. They will. They o- Newcastle can't. Have you not seen what the new rules are gonna be? Mate. The sports new rules hammer Newcastle.
1: Yeah, it's sports washing their man.
2: But sports washing won't work under the new rules. You can only send. With, yeah, they'll have sponsors
1: coming out of nowhere. Watch now. Like and Manchester. every
2: one of them, every one of them is going to get micro-analyzed.
1: Cities haven't even been microanalyzed. Like, but of them city, this year but that's cheating.
2: why Newcastles are going to be. Because cities are so blatantly cheating. Like hey, they're not even they all, pretending anymore. I will guarantee you, hearing that we're not hearing, we're not going to hear that Newcastle are going to grow the revenue from 160 million or whatever it is this year to 600 million See, in two years. It's not happening. not
1: two three years. City
2: doubled it under the old rules, not the new rules. The new rules were brought in because of Newcastle. The rule where every sponsorship deal over a certain amount has to go through Premier League approval, was only brought in for Newcastle. Premier League approved the Saudis. (laughs) So this Premier League approved the the Saudis. I don't believe
1: anything about... The Premier League
2: approved the um, Saudis because Boris Johnson made them approve the Saudis. Boris Johnson is responsible for the Saudis on Newcastle.
1: Anything that comes into play, rules-wise... Newcastle are not now. going to
2: sign Declan yeah, Rice. FFP Newcastle are work. going to be shit for three years. I don't.
1: I don't care about Declan. They'll be signing players massively. They'll be going crazy. Nothing will stop. I them. will
2: guarantee they spend less than a hundred million this summer.
1: Nothing will. That's fine. Nothing will stop them over the next two three years. Watch. They just. They're going to be crazy.
2: Are they though? Says. Yeah, they says are. who? Says who?
1: Just the way it works. It's sports washing. Says so who? What's going to happen?
2: The only people suggesting Newcastle are going to spend that type of money are Newcastle fans and rival fans. No journalist has reported that. Amanda Staveley hasn't said that. There's no guarantee that the Saudi investment fund is going to do what City have done. None at all. There's only speculation that that's what they're going to do. There's no basis for the logic other than oh well City have already done it. That's everybody's argument, well City did it. But it's not the same thing. City's a plaything for one man. Newcastle isn't. We'll see.
1: We'll see. Yeah, we will. Yeah, 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 yeah. Two two, three years down the line they'll be in much better shape and they'll be they'll be charging towards the top four. Watch. They'll be in much better
2: shape and they'll be a Europa League team.
1: Yeah, exactly. Charging towards the top four. No, that no. Means they, they'll start to they'll be a Europa League They'll start League. to be able to pay more. They'll be getting more money from the Premier League by then because they're going up the places. They'll be in Europa League be able to get money from there. They'll get better sponsorships. Watch. It'll just all be a Europa fall League. fall into place and then they'll start getting big players. They'll be by a Europa League team. In in t- by
2: 2024, they'll be sitting eighth. They're all... Like, look, at, look at them. Look how far away from being even decent they are. They need yes. an entire new squad. That's not going to, to happen a in first. Well, that's it. Yeah, People need to settle down in Newcastle. Yeah, Newcastle two, two, are two, bottom two, half team in the next year or two.
1: Yeah, two to three years. Two, 2025, easily
2: they'll be... Yeah, 2025 they'll be a Europa league. league
1: team. Yeah, so
2: 2026 then Champions League team, yeah? No. <laughs> <laughs> In a league with a better Arsenal team, a better Spurs team, a better Chelsea team, and United and Us and City? No. It's gonna be very It's not just as easy. You what you're what you're ignoring here is that when City started to do what City have done, we were shit. Ferguson left United, and United fell apart. Wenger no was on United the outs.
1: Back. It might take years for that to happen, but United Who? As well. United, there's no guarantee. But they're still back.
2: better set up. But United are still better set up to do it quicker than Newcastle. And will we
1: will we still be good post Klopp?
2: Yes, because our structure will be there because okay. we're brilliantly run. Okay. The same reason Arsenal are going to be good from now on because they're putting in place a structure. The same thing at Spurs. City had no competition in the league. See, when you said Spurs, there was one that good team.
1: The whole there
2: was one good team in the league when City became good. One. United. Right at the end of Ferguson's reign. The weakest era in the Premier League is the last couple of years of Ferguson through to probably 2016.
1: Yeah, we, we do. City's first back.
2: title, United's last title, it- City's second title, the Mourinho-Chelsea title, and the, the Leicester City title. Look at those five seasons of the Premier League. And it's yep. absolute piss. We should and that's what allowed City to should, develop. We should,
1: we should do another pod on this. So
2: the next one that I'd have is Federico Valverde of Real Madrid. He's likely only a possibility if Chuameni goes to Real. He might become the odd one out there. He'll be 24 this summer, so he's a good age to make the move very good box-to-box, can play as an eight or a six, can play in a two or a three, can also do a job at right-back if you need him to, but, you know, we've already addressed the right-back situation. Um, Valverde is is a top-end player, a real top-end player. He's starting for basically any other club in Europe right now, but he's at Real Madrid where Tony Cruz and Luca Modric are in his way. There's... No real flaw in his game. He doesn't score enough goals, it'd be the only thing I'd put against him, but I'm not gonna knock him too hard for that. Hugely energetic, a pressing machine. He's he's definitely one to look at. He could be expensive, but um I think he's probably worth he's probably worth going big on if you want to go big on a midfielder and you can't get too many. I'd probably go Valverde next, and then Phillips if you wanted to go for an English one. And just the other one, just to throw in, because he's been linked is is Gavi, the young Spaniard. He's only seventeen; he turns eighteen in yeah, August.
1: That's interesting, right? And it's not it's the same
2: sort of situation as as Areo. He he they can't agree a contract with him. He wants similar enough, I think, to what Pedri and Ansu Fati got, and he, he warrants it at seventeen. He's got four Spanish caps. Um he's a different type of midfielder to the the three I've mentioned he's far he, he is a physical midfielder he reminds me a little bit of nicolo barella the inter milan and italy midfielder um high technical level and then just like a real bustly kind of energetic player um good physicality to his game even though he's, he is quite small i don't think he'll be allowed to leave barca i think they will in the end, move heaven and earth to keep him. But, you'd never know. You'd just never know. It might be one to keep an eye on. Um, but he'd be an outside shot. The other three would be the three I'd look at to fill the the, the need we have, which is for a number eight who can also cover the number six position uh, at a high level. Basically replacing Henderson in the starting 11. I think Chouameni one, Valverde two. Valverde... Stylistically, probably the closest to Henderson, but a a better player, better in all areas. And then uh, Phillips. and Phillips is also the oldest of the three as the third option. He hasn't played as that box-to-box midfielder in a few years for Leeds, but he does for England. That's the role he plays for England, where he is obviously first choice at the minute. I'm not going to mention, well, I am going to mention him because I'm going to say his name, but I don't think Jude Bellingham leaves this summer. No. I think he stays till twenty twenty three. With Haaland going, I don't think Dortmund'll sell both of them. They could could they really? It would be too much too much. I hope. think the fans might the fans might lose their lose their minds if they do to because be honest, they've
1: done it before, right? Like I think they lose a lot of players. They do they do, they are they do. So Yeah. so I suppose the fans are, are are kind of um used to it. But yeah, you losing your two stars of the current era would be would be harsh on them so maybe the club have that in mind and you're right they'll, they'll get a big you know wad from Haaland won't they at the end of the day yeah that's
2: it they're going to get a big wad from Haaland and then and the other thing is like Bellingham is 19 this summer he's only yeah. going loads to t- increase in value loads of time so you might as well hold on and AJ yes I would still take Saul without question I just haven't included them in yeah. this list okay. um,
1: last 10 minutes or so forwards then my friend
2: yeah so I suppose we're looking at left and right. Or? I've done this based on so one thing before we move on to that we We talked about maybe a second midfielder, and I said yeah. maybe a second midfielder who can also play an attack. I think that's Fabio Carvalho, yeah, I think he fits that role. I think that's probably what we've targeted him I for. Think we've kind of already accepted that's happening, right? yeah, I think so. I mean David Lynch seems very confident that it'll happen. Joyce, uh, Joyce seems confident right? it'll happen. So yeah, I think that one gets gets done. Um, I've sort of looked at players who are... I've gone under, under the assumption that Salah stays and we're looking to replace Mane. That's basically what I've done. i put together a three-player list. and I mentioned two of them earlier on. One of them I think is sort of when I, like, I said Salah, I said Diaz was part Mane, part Suarez. I think this guy is part Mane, part Bobby. And that's Christopher Nkunku. Can play anywhere, basically. Could be an eight, could play as a winger, can play as a 10, can play as an inside forward. And this season he's played quite a bit as a central forward, as a kind of false nine. Uh, goal scoring has gone up substantially this year he's got 26 goals in 39 games and that doesn't even come close to telling the story of him and and what a good player he is and what type of player he is because he is first and foremost a creative player like he wants to bring others into the game and get them involved he's 15 assists this season it's incredible dribbler hard worker, good presser, obviously been at Leipzig, you're not going to get through time at Leipzig without learning to press. Super intelligent. Um, He would probably be my first choice to replace Sadio, and I think the cost... He might cost a little bit more than you'd get for Sadio, but his wages would be significantly less than what Sadio is currently on, so it would balance out. Second one will be Joe Felix. Uh, Again, I mentioned him earlier on. 22 he would take some adaptation into that central role because it's not really a role he's played frequently before as a false nine type. He's, he's, so, more, he's more of a though, he? oh, he's so good. <laughs> like that
1: United game, there was some like flashes of brilliance there and there.
2: Even against us, there was a couple of little moments yeah. like when he turned when he spun Naby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For really. their second goal, it, oh, he's so talented. Like. You know, I love Diego Simeone. Like I'm the biggest fan of Diego Simeone, and I can't think of a worse manager for Joe Felix than Diego Simeone because he's just—he's he the have antithesis. A as well, though, Dave, he does work really hard. Like he—he he wouldn't play at all under Simeone if he didn't work. True, true, true. But good point. Good point. It's—it's it's just uh, I don't know. Like Simeone wants kind of an automated attack where everything is pre-designed and Joe wants to play as it comes to him very similar to Bobby like literally get the ball and now I'm going to do something mental you don't know what it is because I don't know what it is but because I don't know what it is you haven't a clue now let's see what happens Joe is one of those 20 years ago, he'd have been deemed almost a maverick. He doesn't have that kind of outlandish personality of like a Cantona or whoever. But on the field, he can just be, at times, a little bit by the seat of his arse. Now, Klopp can coach some of that out of him, but you don't want to take too much. You want to leave just enough of it so you still get the stuff we get from Bobby. Um, he needs to get a little bit stronger. He is 5'11", though, and he's got a decent frame, so it can happen. He's, he's so, so gifted. So, so gifted. I don't know what his, what's he got left. He has four years left on his contract, so he Glad could be yeah. expensive. Yeah, yeah, it's probably not likely. Yeah.
1: what What's the options down the right?
2: Well, Rafinha would be the main one that I would look at. now. I
1: know, I that Anthony fella.
2: Probably. He's too young. He's, he's too inconsistent. He's got eight goals in the Eri Divisie this season. Yeah, not good, is it? Like, are we like, if you're telling me, like, you're asking me who would we bring in purely as a backup to Mo? Anthony would be ideal as a backup to Mo. I can get on board with him. This idea that we sell Mo and Anthony's the primary replacement on the right wing is just mind blowing to me. Like, you can watch ten Ajax games, and in four of them. You won't even know he's playing. He'll just drift through entire games. That's not good. He's super talented. And when he's on, he is exceptionally good. And he's a lot of fun to watch. But there's just games. Now, maybe it's because he thinks the Eredivisie is too easy for him. But if that were the case, I'd like to be seeing him going and scoring 25 a season. Hmm. Like i look at Cody Gatbo at p s v yeah, and I see what he's doing, and I look back at Anthony and I think, well, hang on a sec, how's he doing that, and you're doing that, and you're better than him, and have better teammates than him or you're sorry you're more talented than him, and yeah. have better teammates than him, like if I was looking at one from the Eri divisi to come in and and replace um no, not replace Salah, but be a kind of backup to Salah, I'd probably look at Noni Mudiecki, who's the young English, left left footed right winger type at uh, PSV Eindhoven. I'd look at him before I'd look at Anthony. Nine goals, five assists this season. Um, he's only just turned 20, so he he has the homegrown thing as well once he hits 21, because he was at the Spurs Academy for years. He's super gifted, but when I watch him, I see a guy always wanting to be involved. Like, you'll often watch Ajax, and Anthony will just stand out on the right wing. And I mean stand on the right wing. Not make runs into the box, not demand the ball. Just stand about. And that would concern me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, Mo never stands about. No, Mo is... That's the thing. And that's the one oh, thing I love about Diaz. Diaz is always on the move. Sadio yeah, was always on the move. I, I, he's not been mentioned, actually. It's been
1: that other guy that you just mentioned at PSV that's been mentioned. Cody so, Gakpo,
2: yeah. Yeah, yeah, Gakpo. So, uh,
1: that's interesting. Uh, you said Rafinha as well, did you?
2: Rafinha I would look at. Now, I've said this before. If you, if we sell Mo, we can't replace him with one player. One player does not replace what Mo Salah brings you. But, I've, as I've also said, I'd be selling Sadio anyway. So... You're then looking to bring in two. So if Mo were to go and Sadio was to go, I think what I would like to see us do is a little bit of a reconfiguration where our primary goal scorer is maybe the fella through the middle and we bring in a right uh, a right winger who's more of a creative source. So the right winger kind of replaces, Salah, uh, replaces Mane and the centre forward replaces Mo in terms of goals and assists and whatever else. So I I nine nine. He he could he could well just be Ryan Babel two He really could well just be Ryan. That's a really good uh, comp because I do have concerns about the application of the attitude. Like remember, David Neres was there before him, and he was sensationally talented. He's now playing for Shakhtar Donetsk. That's crazy. And his his own teammates used to laugh on his Instagram. About how much weed he smoked. Oh, shit. So, I do have concerns about certain types of players. Now, I could be wrong. Maybe Anthony is just bored and and can go on and do better. Maybe he thrives on better competition. But if that's the case, go and obliterate the Eredivisie. Yeah, exactly. Go, Go on a run where you get eight goals and six assists in, like, 10 to 12 games.
1: That drive and, you, is... and
2: you're man of the match most weeks yeah. and just tear the place apart. Hunger and drive is
1: one of the major things for this recruitment. 100%. Economy.
2: Who's the other...
1: The, there's another Leipzig player, is there? And, uh,
2: no, so if I would say if if, if it's just Mane that goes and Kunku or Zhao would be the target yeah. for me. Okay. If Mo and Mane go... Now, some people will think this is a big downgrade and in the short term... It is, but you're looking at long-term picture here and we're also improving the d- midfield with too many. I would look at Rafinha to bring in on the right wing yeah, and I would look at Darwin Nunes as an out-and-out number nine. Well, we're, I about, think,
1: we're about to watch him, aren't we, soon? So we'll see. Yeah. What
2: we think. I think Darwin Nunes as an out-and-out nine would be spectacular with Rafinha and Diaz either side. Now, there is one other thing I would suggest would be to move the shape and go 4-2-3-1.
1: Yeah, when you get Chu-Chu in, that's possible.
2: So you put chu Fabinho, Nabi, Thiago and Henderson as a five-man group for central midfield. That's perfect. You get Rafinha and Harvey Elliott as your right wingers. Yep. You get Diaz and say Fabio Carvalho as your left wingers. You buy in Kunku and you play him as your ten, and you have Bobby and Curtis Jones and Carvalho and Taki and Harvey that can all fill in there. Mm-hmm. And then you go and you buy Darwin Nunes and you've got Darwin Nunes and Jota up front, and Jota can obviously play left wing as well. Yeah, absolutely. So you're then you're then getting rid of two attackers and bringing in three, Rafinha and Konkup. And you can and with Darwin. the money you have, exactly. Of course you could, yeah. Because you'd get 120 ish for Mo, 50 to 60 for Sadio, it's about 180. And I think 180 definitely gets those three. Um so your only outlay like if we if we only bring in say a right back and cost us and Joe stay, then your only out outlay there is, is a right back in say Jed Spence for 15 million. The sales of Nat and Nico more than cover that. You're selling Ox in midfield. You maybe get 20 million for him. So you've got say 10 million left over from the defensive sales, plus the money for Ox, and maybe about 10 million left over in attack. Probably somewhere in the region of 40 million. many might cost you 50, 55. So your net spend on the summer is about 15 million. You've brought your wage bill substantially down you've brought your average age substantially down, and now you've set the team up to be not just good, but great for the next five, six years, amazing. which includes the post-Clop era. Yeah, and amazing. Now, again, I would rather keep Mo, but we have to be realistic that it is a possibility that he goes, in which case, replace Sadio with Nkunku, replace Salah with Rafinha and Darwin Nunes and shift the shape of the team because let's be real. The majority of our players suit a two man midfield better than a three man midfield. The only ones it suits are Henderson and Milner, one of whom should leave this summer and one of whom should play far less next year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what harm is it? And Henderson can do a job in it 2 It'll be all right. Yeah. Okay. But I can have... I just make one more point, right? One more point. <clears throat> the yeah. post Klopp thing, right? You asked it earlier. Everybody talks about it. We're, we're apparently screwed when Klopp leaves, right? That's the preeminent thought is that we are screwed when Jurgen leaves in 2020. There's
1: always a fear, Dave. There's always a fear when when there is.
2: And and rightly so. And rightly so. Because he's one of the best managers in the world and he has done an amazing job at this club. But I think that is very disrespectful to him. When he left Dortmund, did they fall apart? Or were they better the next two seasons than they were in his last yeah, season? Yeah, they were good.
1: They were good, yeah. yeah very they good. were good, right? Yeah. yeah we, Why were the we they good?
2: he left behind a good squad. He yeah. left behind a great environment and a great culture. He left behind a well-run club. Not the club he found, a different club. When he leaves Liverpool, he's going to leave behind a great structure that he's had his hands on crafting. From the analytics side of things, to the recruitment side of things, to the sports science side, the nutrition Everything. The academy. He has moulded this. Is is Alisson leaving? Is Fab? Is Virgil? No, is Trent? No, no. There's no, no risk
1: of players going. It's That's only I mean. the ones that are uh, in the contract now.
2: That's is what I mean. Ones. So all of these players are going to be there when he leaves. Yeah. Are we going to suggest that he's leaving behind a crap team? No, no, no. 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 He's leaving behind. Jurgen Klopp will walk into Liverpool... And he will leave behind a great team, a great club, a great structure and everything in place for the next manager, who's not going to be Steven Gerrard, who's not going to be Pep and Linders. It's going to be someone who's a really good manager to come in and have the same type of success. Stop getting so worked up about Klopp leaving. If it happens, it'll be shit, but we are not going to fall apart. This is not the club he inherited. This is the club he has built. This is the club he has inherited. Every thought we'd fall apart many, many years ago when Shankly left. And look what happened. He left behind the structure, the makings of a great club. And Bob Paisley walked in and took it to the next level. I'm not saying the next guy is going to do what Paisley did. But they're certainly not going to do what Soonest did after Kenny. That's all I'm going to say. You need to go. So we'll wrap it up at that.
1: Thank you very much, Dave. I appreciate that. Um, Thank you all for listening as well, live and all the chat. uh, Really good. Uh, Another brilliant pod. And um, we will be back very soon. I don't know when the next old school will be, but we'll try and fit one in if we can, especially if something big happens or there's very exciting stuff. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of exciting stuff going on. Uh, But yeah, make sure you catch all the rest of the content and uh, make sure you join us in Discord, anvilindex.com forward slash Discord. Catch you
0: all very soon. Up the Reds.